Oh, hello friend. Come, join us by the fire. The story's about to begin. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Fireside Dice. Barring any sort of technical difficulties, I am your narrator and dungeon master tonight, Jens Anderson. And joining me today is our lovely cast and crew. Hello, I am the master of the recording software. Also, my name is Emma, and I will be playing Levin, the Merfolk Monk. My name is Josh. I play Balfour, the fighter cleric dwarf. I'm Riley, and I play Suri, the now warlock again. And I am Skylar, playing the totally human, totally not a vampire rogue Erasmus Kane. So yeah, we could go into what happened last time. But rather than having me do that, our, let's have our new character explain, from his point of view, Uh-oh. a little bit of the events and perhaps a little bit of a meta-contextualization as to what happened last time. Yeah, stuff happened. The party, after uh, Bartholomew was taken away by the angel, they kind of took a moment to reconvene. Uh, Levin and Suri went back into the Dark War to look for the artifact that we had originally come to the Moon Silver Temple for. And they managed to find a book that had kind of the history of vampires, specifically the Markov line of vampires. Um, they learned some of the weaknesses vampires on Innistrad have and some of the lore behind them. Rather than take the book entirely, they took notes on what they deemed was important from the book and then regrouped with Balfour, who spent the whole time waiting for them, playing with Bart's locket. And then the whole group traveled home. Uh, Suri still had access to some of the spells that she learned from the Bitterheart Witches, so she was able to cast the Tiny Hut spell. And one night while they were camping out, Suri's father showed up in the form of a ghost or a spirit. And the two had a, a pretty decent uh, reunion considering the circumstances. And they found out that her father was able to gift her some power. And so Suri is now a warlock of the undead. Party got back to the Bitterheart camp where Casimir... Uh, rejoined them they kind of caught each other up on what had happened and then he introduced the party to erasmus kane who had shown up looking for the party to get a report finding out that bart had died um, he decided he'd stick around to help him out and they all talked about plans for how we are going to access mauer estate sure the the group talked about it erasmus walked off into the forest was like he was there for most no, of the planning. No, he was not either. When, he was too. He was too. He was there for a good chunk of the planning. He got all the information they were willing to give him. He's like, okay, I'm going to go get more info. And he left. Because you guys are all slackers and aren't asking the right questions. I must go. My people need me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He was there. He was there to judge us for like two seconds. And was like, oh, that's all. That's all you know. That's it really and then I mean, he to left be fair, you guys know very little yeah but like <laughs> he didn't have to be that way about it so yeah i'm not playing bartholomew anymore he's dead <laughs> <laughs> so dead yeah it's amazing yeah. the the level of range that you have presented in two episodes time <laughs> Let's skip right to, 
what sort of preparations is the group going to make prior to going to Mauer Estate? Personally, Levin would try to go find... Is it... Grandma is like her respect... Uh, Grandma Ava? Mother Ava? Madam Ava. Madam Ava. Grandma Ava is for... It's, that's what Annabelle calls her all the time. That's right. Okay. Uh, she's gonna go find Madam Ava... Because she has no idea what the heck a living wood weapon is or what that looks like. So she wants to figure that out just so they're as prepared as possible. So going up to Madame Ava and asking about that, the basics are that's something more of like a spring sage ability, almost like a druidic magic. Okay. And so they are, there's a few people that she knows that are capable of it but not a whole lot of people there's also like the standard wooden stakes sort of thing if you want to just like cut down a tree and then make stakes out of it that's that's an option okay i'm currently okay. holding three of those perfect uh, uh what is their status on holy water she would ask about that as well yes in terms of the holy water um, there's a few of them that can make it. If How many vials would you be asking for? Enough. Probably like five. Okay. Well, no, I don't want Casimir carrying any. That would be ouchy. Uh, four vials. I don't, I don't know. How much do we have to pay them? Because I know this stuff's not inexpensive. Do we have money? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. Think I still least. have some. I have ten Xenos still. <laughs> I am but a fish. We have not concerned ourselves with that very much. No, not a whole lot. Mm -mm. It's because our money bag only just barely died. That is true. We don't have access to any funds anymore. <laughs> they are willing to cut a deal with you. That they're willing to cut the price down by a, a little bit more than half to $10 per flask. Ten, 10 gold per flask. I have a brain. I have nine. Nine gold. So I can buy one. It looks like I have eight gold. We can buy like two vials. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably loot some more stuff. <laughs> There's not been looting. We've not been doing side quests. And this is why you do the side quests, listeners. <laughs> this is why you do all of those little hooks that your dungeon master gives you so that they will reward you. But the main storyline, gents. Uh, it, it can't continue if you don't have any money to continue it. It's a right. it's a pay to play. Alright, where do we go gambling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Annabelle has an underground poker ring going on in the Bitterheart camp. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. It's, uh -huh. it's like a little girl. Card. Yes. Like go fish. She's like fleeced the entire camp. <laughs> but no yeah. one wants to talk about it because it's too embarrassing. So <laughs> yeah. no one knows. And grandma is just so proud of her. All right. Well, Levin would also like to check on Suri at one point. I think she would probably ask Suri, "Are you well?" Uh, is as well as I probably could be at this moment in time. It's 
It's nice to see my father again, but at the same time, it's really shocking. I don't know quite what to make of it. Is that something that happens frequently here? The spirits come back? Um, I've I've heard of it happening. Uh, Innistrad is a very... It's, it's a place that's full of death and undeath. Eleven pats Shuri... Not Shuri. Pats Suri on the shoulder and will go do who knows what. So, what other preparations do you guys have? If if Balfour feels like it, we could have him chop down some trees for some wooden stakes. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. do that. <laughs> it wouldn't be a terrible idea. It really wouldn't. Yeah. Balfour will go to the outskirts of the camp yeah. where... There's some decent-looking trees far enough away that the witches won't give them a stink eye for cutting down their forest, and <laughs> he'll begin to fashion some stakes for the party. We only need, like, one big good chunk of wood for, like, ten stakes. Balfour will make sure that Nutty picks a tree with him that is not currently housing any relatives and is not going to disturb the natural life happening very smart he is a nature domain cleric mm-hmm. he's the most hippie out of all of you somehow which is wild but uh-huh. true <laughs> except for when it comes to goblins yeah okay as the rest of the group is getting the rest of their preparations made and going up to Mauer estate let's see what erasmus learned Skylar, I want for you to roll me a. Mm-hmm. I, I want you to roll me two perception checks. We're going to assume that you were able to scout out the evening that you left and the following day. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. <laughs> so on one of them, it's going to come out to a thirteen, and the other is going to come out to a seven, aka it's a natural one. Ah, that's rough, buddy. Yeah. In terms of looking at this place, there's no nearby rooftops for you to get to. So the best that you're able to do is scramble up a tree, and that is uncomfortable for you. You're used to having slate or tile or stone underneath you and being able to perch very much above and look at all the goings-on from very much a nearby bird's-eye view. So this distant viewing for you, not your forte. And so in terms of looking at the castle, the ca- you've got the curtain wall, you've got the interior of the courtyard, and you're not able to see into the interior. Um, but it doesn't look like there's very many guards on patrol. This place, for all intents and purposes, almost looks dead. Frustrated with his inability to glean any new information, he will start making his way back to the Bitterheart camp until he runs into the group and reconnects with them. Okay. And the now quartet of you, Casimir being unable to convince his kin that he could leave them. He seems to be kind of their leader. And going to the... Going to their old family holdings is one thing, but going into the womb of darkness, to the to the fiend's estate, 
that's that's in a different thing entirely. So the, now the quartet of you going up. It's getting to be late afternoon at this point after your morning of preparations and between that and the travel time. The clouds are hanging overhead, not actively raining, but there's a there's a feeling of rain in the air. You leave the old Somberwald, taking the turn that takes you up to Mauer Estate. As we're walking, Erasmus is going to turn to Surrey, and he's going to say, You mentioned that Lord Mauer had a particular interest in your comrade Bartholomew, is that correct? Yes, I, I don't know what his obsession with him was. It was it was some sort of game to Streffen. Okay. Was it an infatuation that would be distracting to Lord Mauer? I would imagine so. Yes, it seemed like he was bothering us quite a lot and always wanting to know what Bart was doing. Good to know. And he will drop the conversation there. Balfour will also make sure to pass out the stakes that they made at the Bitter Hearts camp. So anybody that wants a steak, you can have one or two. Yep. Levin will take two. Erasmus will politely decline. <laughs> and by politely, I mean he will just hold up a hand and not say anything. That figures. Levin raises an eyebrow. So the travel going up the road, the almost foreboding sense of this castle really starts to set in as the startling and, in a way, awesome presence of Mauer Estate towers up above you. You've got a drawbridge in the very front of the castle that is lowered. And here with the wind and the oncoming storm, the chains that hold this thing are creaking ever so slightly. Looking up above, you've got the towers, the spires, and a not small number of gargoyles that the party would probably be wary of after their last encounter with these. Mm-hmm. Levin's focused on them like a laser. She's not about to get picked up and dropped again. Because, yeah, this is on something of a precipice. Just on the other side of this, you know that there's a very, very sheer cliff that leads down into the village of Shadowgrange. Here at the very doors, what are you guys going to do next? Erasmus is kind of towards the back of the group, allowing them to approach first. And just before they left the tree line or any sort of cover to approach the manor, he will have subtly rubbed his ring on his left hand and will take on the guise of Bartholomew. That's not emotional trauma. That is a cruel and twisted joke. Um, here's the question. Are we going right up to the door or are we trying to do this stealthily? That's kind of the question. Erasmus will instinctually be trying to approach stealthily. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not the rest of the party does. 
Um, in order to get into the castle itself, you do need to go across that drawbridge. But in terms of from there, you do have some space to maneuver. Levin is going to, for now, just to make this as easy as possible, she'll use some key points to cast Pass Without Trace. Okay. Very helpful. As we're all standing there preparing to, Balfour is going to cast Aid. All three of us will get an additional five hit points to our, added to our maximum. Because Erasmus doesn't need it. We don't like him yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Before they get up close, Levin will turn to Erasmus and ask, So where are we going? I know as much as you do. This place is built in such a way as to deter people in a situation like ours from gaining any sort of upper hand. I know nothing of the contents of this building. Hmm. Sad. If our intention is to enter through the front door, I can facilitate that. If we're trying to be stealthy, the front door might not be the best option. Unless you would like to volunteer to distract him. I am not the one distracting here. So, going into the front courtyard, it's at this point as you guys enter that the rain starts to fall. Lightning cracks above you in the sky as though the world itself recognizes that this is the culmination of that portent that was given so very long ago. In the courtyard, the curtain wall that you are now passing underneath is very, very high. There doesn't seem to be any visible way to get up there from the front courtyard, which would make sense from a defense standpoint. Inside, Mauer Estate towers up above you. And you can see that you have the front doors, and up above that, probably 40, 50 feet up there, there's a broken out window. I'm reluctant to go through there, uh, that, through the audience chamber that sounds like the best place to get caught, frankly. Aside from personal rooms, of course. Now that Erasmus is closer to the building, he comes from a place where, like, city structures are, like, basically his favorite terrain. He understands architecture well, and could he um, glean, based on the structure of the building from the outside, kind of an idea of what entrance would get them closest to getting upstairs, if that makes any sense. Um, from the front courtyard itself, no. If you wanted to take some time to kind of walk the perimeter of the building, then maybe. I think he would try okay. to do that. Which side do you want to go to the first? Definitely. Do you want to go to the right from entering or to the left? I'm going to go left. Okay. Going to the left, you've got the wall that continues along the outside. And as you round the corner of Mauer Estate itself, you've got this 
massive wall that juts out from about the halfway point back from the cast back at the castle and this gate there's a gate in the middle of it that looks to be closed how easy would it be to climb over the fence or the um wall? the wall is as high as the curtain wall so 90 feet okay and this gateway is it's more of a portcullis entry than a swinging gate okay then i guess he'll circle back and go to the right of the building same sort of setup of course it is he's gonna return to the group we have portcullis's guarding entry on both sides of the structure it's either gonna be through this door or over the curtain wall is is there a way that we could make an opening door feel natural at all at this point, I would like for one of you to roll a d20 for me. Ah. Right, bro. Can I do it? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should have let someone else do it. Uh-oh. What did you get? I got a two. Uh-oh. Nothing happens. <laughs> okay. That was, that was scary. I've got thaumaturgy, but... Its range is 30 feet, so even if I made a distraction or a noise to disguise the door opening, it would still be within 30 feet of us. Or I could cause harmless tremors in the ground for about a minute. Maybe they won't notice the door opening. <laughs> that feels too obvious. What is our plan for opening the door? Is it locked? As you go up to that front door, even before he can reach out to grab the handle, both doors, these 20-foot high wooden ornate doors, open up. Too late now. And I think that they would walk in. The first chamber, as the four of you kind of bunch up together, back to back to back to back, and start slowly going through, this first chamber is about 20 foot square. And there's another set of wooden doors that they, once again, they open up for your arrival. And you can see up above you in this chamber are four statues of dragons. And they, they track you as you're going in, the heads moving in, in line with your party, but they make no action towards you as you enter. But your guess is that if you were to try and leave, they would prevent that. Okay. Going into the grand entry hall, this is a little bit of a larger area. Up ahead, you've got another set of doors, and then to either side, you've got a different feature. You've got a small hallway that leads to your right, and to the left, there's a 30-foot-wide staircase that goes up and then disappears to behind you. Upwards? Up. We go up. So proceeding up the stairway. Are we going from the very middle? Are we hugging one of the walls? How are we going about this? Probably hugging the walls. Mm-hmm. Trying to be as stealthy and yeah. small as possible. Okay. As we're doing this, I want someone to roll me a d20. Ten. 
there's nothing that seems untowards as you're going through the hallway and up the stairs. Okay. But as you are getting up to the top of the stairs, that's when the interesting stuff starts happening. As you're getting up to the very top, who's up in the front? What's our marching order? Erasmus is in the back. We can put Levin in the front. Okay. And the two, the other two of you, where are you guys going to be in the marching order? Who's two? Who's three? I'll be closer to Erasmus, probably. Yeah, I'll be two. Okay. So Levin, Balfour, Surrey, Erasmus. Yep. Levin, I want mm-hmm. for you to roll me a perception check. Sure thing. That's a 22. Okay. So as you're going up, you're, you're looking for traps. You're looking for all sorts of stuff. Right. The archways up above this are 20 feet high and they come up into a point. And you can see that there's all sorts of just decoration with the frescoes and it's gaudy. It's gaudy, if anything. I was going to say, yeah. Other than the dust that's floating in the air, the other thing that you notice is that up at the top of these stairs, there's two alcoves that are in the center of two smaller stairways that lead further up. And as you get towards the top of the stairway that you're on, that they are moving. The stairs? That the armor suits are moving. Okay. Um, She's immediately going to pause. The other thing that you notice is that the top of the stairway, the very second to last step, that there's a trap on it. And that it seems that this trap would notify the suits of armor to attack. Okay. She's going to step carefully and signal all of that to the others. She'll pro in and the way that she will do that, she'll point to the stair in question and uh do like an X with her arms and then like a walking uh symbol. And then she'll point no, we'll keep it as simple as possible. Let's not confuse the message. I want for you to roll just a general charisma to see if this message could just cross. Sure. Hopefully it hits better than the joke. <laughs> oh, I don't like this roll, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to lie. It's a four. Considering how dark it is in here, it doesn't seem like most of them got the message. Can Erasmus see the trap just in general from where he is? Roll a perception check. And do so at advantage because Levin has stopped you and it seems to be gesturing about something. 18. An 18? That will do it. That will allow you to see this. Are, are the suits of armor animating just from our presence and they won't attack till we trigger the trap? Or is the trap what will animate them? Off of an 18, you're not certain. Because you're okay. not, you're a little bit lower on the staircase, so you can't quite see these suits of armor. But you can see that there's a trap here. Okay, he's going to quietly and cautiously approach the trap and see if he can disarm it. Okay, I want you to he can roll. investigate it to figure out how to do that. Okay, um, for this, you've already seen the trap, so I want you to roll a dexterity check using your thieves' tools. Okay. So dexterity with proficiency? Yes. Okay. That's a dirty 20. Simple enough. Getting a couple of pieces up into there, 
you find the wire that would send a signal elsewhere and snip it in such a way that you can keep it from triggering. Okay. And he'll motion for the group to continue keeping an eye on the statues or the armor just in case. Okay. Continuing up, you reach this landing area and you've got these two smaller staircases. They seem to go to the same location. Either any sort of preference to the one that's nearer to the center of the castle or furthest from the center. Streffenmauer feels a bit like an egomaniac, and I feel like he would want to be the center of everything. Personally, I feel like it would make sense to do the one that takes us more to the central part of the castle. But if someone thinks otherwise, please say. His study will likely be on the outside of the building if it has windows. True. Good point. So maybe hug the wall. We'll hug the wall and take the far one then. Okay. Hugging that outer wall, you can feel the draft coming in as you go up and this very large 40 foot by almost 70 feet audience chamber with the broken out window that at some point you can see the wings that would depict some sort of an angel that has been taken out, possibly with someone being thrown through it. Big old throne set up on a dais on the far side. Not right up against the wall, but relatively close. Are there any other doorways out of this chamber? You can see that on the far side of the room from you, there are two different visible doors. There's a big double door, and then near to where that dais is, there's a small door. A single door. Okay. Erasmus is going to, once again, cautiously, quietly move along the wall to investigate those two doors to glean which one is used most often. Stealth check and then perception. Okay. Oh, why am I worried? (laughs) That is 26 stealth. Very good on that stealth check. Now roll me a perception. Or investigation. I will choose investigation. That's going to be 22. Something interesting catches your eye as you're hugging the wall this whole time and going around Mm -hmm. the whole perimeter of the chamber before you get to these doors, or are you just crossing the chamber? I am hugging the wall. There's a secret door hidden behind the throne. He's going to test it to see if it's locked. It isn't. He is going to poke his head out from around the throne. And he's going to motion for the group to follow his path and meet him back there. Because this feels important. Eleven will do, so... Do you want us all to roll stealth? It's not a requirement. That is DM for, yes, you should. We we would like to move stealthily. Okay. Yeah. Let's just say that. 18 for Balfour. 36. I got a 27. Going into this secret door that Erasmus has found, there's this 10-foot-wide hallway that, as it continues, it it's running east to west, and you can see that it... Well, actually, you can't see very much of anything because there's a ton of cobwebs in here from disuse. Mm. So, do we want to go down to the west or to the east? 
Are there any sounds or noises in this hallway that would indicate movement or someone being on one direction or the other? Roll a perception check for me. Any tracks on the ground? Investigation. I got a 10 on my perception. It is a 12 on an investigation. Neither one of you see very many indications from the immediate vicinity. One way being better than another. What do you guys think? Presence of these cobwebs implies that this is not a frequently trafficked area. That might be a good thing. That is true. My gut says that we should head east. I have no reason to argue. Okay, east it is. Just need to keep exploring until we find something. Okay. I want someone to roll me a d20. And are we going to be taking care of these cobwebs as we go? Are we going to try and not disturb them as much? What's our method of travel? I would personally prefer not to disturb them, just because if someone else does come through here, that would indicate, oh, who's here? Who's moving through these tunnels? You know? Are there cobwebs, or are there cobwebs and spiders? Right now, it looks like it's mainly cobwebs. Really depends on how much you want to disturb these as to whether you find spiders or not. Without disturbing them, would Balfour be able to take a moment and see if he could find any spiders crawling on them? Um, I would have you roll another perception check for that. Perception. Are these like regular sized spider webs, or do they seem unusually large? That's a good question. Roll me a nature check for that. That'll be a 16. It takes a little bit of doing, but there are some spiders in here. 11 nature. 11. They seem to be fairly regular. Balfour would like to attempt to communicate with the spiders. There's one that dangles down right in front of your face. It's like, wait a second, you can talk to us? I can. How fascinating. I had some questions for you. Yes. What are these tunnels? These are our home. Does anybody ever disturb your home? Not often. We are able to keep all of these intact. It's very impressive. Yes. Do you know the master of the house? The large and angry one. We don't try to bother with him. Do you ever see him in these tunnels? Not for generations. When you did see him, where did he go? Oh, some here, some there. Do you know where his resting chambers are? Up, up the stairs, and it it seems to point with a couple of its legs further down to the east. And so as the spider is pointing down the hallway, you can feel some... It's almost like there's this darkness that oppresses and seems to reach down the hallway towards you. And you can hear coming down the stairs a few footsteps. Is the sweet one back for a second round? We're going to go ahead and roll for initiative. Buffer, you're up first. Suri, you're next then Levin, and then Erasmus, and we'll have our enemies at some point in our initiative. So, Balfour, 
Josh, what would you like to do? I'm going to cast Sacred Flame. Okay. And I believe that is a deck save on their part, correct? Yes. 13. That will pass. I believe it's still half damage, though. Mm-hmm. 13. So, 6. Excellent. You call forward the ether, and less of a dart, and more of, like, that natural warmth and feeling of safety and comfort as you sit around a campfire. That's the sort of thing that you call to as this flame ignites in your hand, this ball of green flame that goes forward and strikes. Dealing, well, what seems like a decent amount of damage. So, with that, Suri, you're up next. I'll go ahead and use my bonus action to activate the form of dread. Ooh, new ability. Suri, calling upon your patron, calling on your dad. And he arrives and is standing back to back to you. And this would certainly be dreadful to the forces who would seek to oppose you. And then I'm going to use my actual action to cast Eldritch Bolt twice. <laughs> First one misses because I rolled a three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then the second one. Oh, I think that barely hits. I got a 16. So, calling upon this visage of your father. He stands behind you, bow in hand, and the two of you both fire off, you firing a dart from your palm and him firing an arrow. And this is a surprise to you as much as anything. And so you're almostly kind of looking back at him, almost reminiscing that time that you had with him when you were young. And your shot goes wide, but his finds his finds its way, striking right into the chest. Go ahead and roll for damage for me. Alright, that's a nine. A nine. Ooh, nice. And then, I think, believe she'd have to make a wisdom save to not be frightened. Well, rolling a two on the dice, that's certainly going to fail. And you can hear from down the hallway, they came armed. And you can hear another voice respond, well, we can't fail our master. And Suri, it's a voice that you recognize from your childhood again. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's not something I wanted to hear. <laughs> okay, Levin, it's you. Okay, so this twin, was it like she called up the stairs? That's what it seems like. Levin's gonna sigh and then just book it into melee with the little girl. Okay. With this scary, scary child. And she... <laughs> I am a feel bad about this. Levin does not. And she's going to use a two-handed spear attack on her twice. Okay. So one, two. So that was a 23 and a 27. <laughs> okay. So both of those attacks will hit. Go ahead and roll me some damage. So that is... 16 piercing damage. Okay. And then um, she's going to do an unarmed strike with like her foot. Just, yeah, I'm not going to describe it. This is a child. That feels wrong. That is a uh, 17 to hit. That will hit. And then seven bludgeoning damage. Okay. 
that will end Levin's turn. Erasmus, you're up next. Levin is currently right next to the little girl, right? So I, I won't... For purposes of sneak attack, I will be able to use sneak attack on an yes. attack on her. Okay. Um, Erasmus is going to rush up to the little girl with his 40 movement. And as he runs past every member of the party, he's going to say, Minimize the witnesses. And he's going to pull out his, his short sword. And he is going to move for a physical attack on her. That misses at 12. But um, he is going to um, do a second attack with his bonus action, I believe it is. Because mm-hmm. he has two weapon fighting. And mm-hmm. he's going to attack with a dagger, which also misses. Never mind. Um, you can see that this little girl, she is... She's frankly terrified at this point. You guys have wailed into her, and... Not quite half of her HP is gone. Oh, really? And so there is this extra burst of adrenaline that seems to hit her, and she is dodging your attacks left and right. So the first of the vampires, Carmine, the one that you guys have found out first, sees that you look like Bart and is like, you're fighting differently this time. You're in the front. What's your save, DC? For spells, I assume, is 15. You're not the sweet one. Oh. I'm gonna go tell Uncle. And she's gonna run, and Levin, Erasmus, both of you get an attack of opportunity. Absolutely. Okay, then she's just gonna make a swing with her magical hand. Magic hand. Erasmus failed. He missed. Carmine is starting to run away. The other two come, and they're going to form a little bit of a wall in front of you. Ruby is going to attack at Erasmus and say, don't go at my sister. She does get two attacks. The first one hits, and the second one crits. Of course it does. It's the first time my character's attacked in the session. (laughs) Luckily, it's only 2d4 plus 3 for each of these hits. Okay, that's not bad. So the the hit is going to be eight damage on you, and the crit is minimum, so seven. And then Alexander Deruchenkov is attacking at eleven. And he also has two attacks, except instead of with his claws, he's got this wicked looking sword. Okay. Hit and a crit. <laughs> I'm not joking. No, you're. I believe you. It's it's all good. Bring it. That is. That's fun. That's that's super fun. Okay, so for the hit, <laughs> what is with me? Uh, this is weird, weird symmetry. There's a glitch in the matrix. The hit does. It's plus three, so seven damage, and the crit does five damage, because minimum rolled on the crit. And so the first one, he slashes across, and you're not expecting for another vampire to come charging down the stairs. And so he swings his sword wide, catching you in underneath the ribs, and then goes forward with a stab. And you you try and block it, but it the 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 blade end up ends up catching along your forearm as you deflect it from being lethal. 
Okay. So with that, it's going to go back to Balfour, back at the top of the initiative, with Suri on deck. Would Balfour have noticed? No, he wouldn't have. Never mind. He is not going to apply a chemical silver to his weapon, because he's not going to probably think about that. And no one reminded him. He's going to go ahead and get as close as he can and make two strikes with his axe. Okay. You have a speed of 25, correct? Yes. So you actually, you aren't able to get into melee range quite. Levin is currently blocking you. You could try and step around her, but it's going to cost 10 feet of movement, not just 5. Um, yeah, go ahead and try to get around her. Okay, so you're going to need to dash, and that's going to be your action. Is that okay? Yep. Okay, so you get around her. You're standing on the... You've come up to a spiral staircase at this point, and you're currently on the end that's leading downwards, blocking that route for the vampires to go down. It doesn't seem like Carmine went down this way. It seems like she ran up. I think that's going to be my turn, then. Okay. Sorry, you're up next. Alright, so I can see uh, Alexander. Yes. Sorry, we'll say, see him attacking... Levin, and she'll say, I'm so sorry about this, and she will cast Banishment on Alexander. Oh! Okay. Yes. So, Wisdom Save DC, correct? Charisma Save. Uh-oh. Charisma Save. That's no good. Especially because it was a natural 20, and he says, You don't need to be sorry. <laughs> well, he's, he's got a point. <laughs> I, I don't really, I don't have a bonus action I want to use, so I'm just going to end my turn just staying where I am. Okay. So, Levin, up to you, then Erasmus. Alright. So Levin sees that she's blocked off and quickly analyzes the situation, obviously realizing it's going to be easier to get around the child, and she's going to kind of dart to the side and use the wall almost as a launching point to give herself propulsion over so she can hit the ground and keep running. Here's here's a question for you as well. Are you going Mm -hmm. to try and use Erasmus? Because Erasmus is currently between you and Ruby. Oh, he is? Do you want to try and jump off of him a little bit? And Yeah. Here is the next question. Skylar, is Erasmus going to assist in this action? I would call it his reaction to do so. I think that depends on how obvious it is to him what she's trying to do. I think she would, she would like, audibly say, I'm going after the other one. In that case, yes, he will wholeheartedly support that. Okay. Levin, I want you to roll acrobatics with advantage. 27. Okay. As you turn to Erasmus and say, I'm going after the other one, there's just this briefest shift in his eyes as he recognizes that, okay, we're on the same team. I'm going to help you out with this. And he almost uses one of his daggers, lowers it, and you jump off of the flat of that as he pulls, somersaulting over Ruby and running along the wall for a little bit as you come back to ground to go after Mm -hmm. Carmine. Yes. Are we considering that my action or considering it part of my movement? Because I'm going... Because that was... The way that you set that up made it more of a movement instead of an action. Perfect. I'm going to go past her with my movement. 
Okay. I'm going to use my action to use the cantrip, mold earth, and I'm going to make the stairs behind me shoot five feet up into the air. Oh, that's cool. That is awesome. <laughs> so tight. Oh my gosh. And it affects a five foot square, correct? Mm-hmm. So as much of the stairs behind me as I can force upwards. So this staircase is actually closer to 10 feet wide. So you're able to get a big old spike either on one side in the middle or on the far side from you. So you- Okay. Ooh. Okay, so the way that you end up doing this, you get past her, basically call the wall and it extends, forming a wall on the other side of the staircase and having you fully block Carmine in. Mm-hmm. Yes. Correct. That is exactly what happens. Um, and then I am going to... Kick her down the All stairs. You... <laughs> <laughs> can I do that with my bonus action? You can make one-on-one strike as a bonus action. Period. Oh. It doesn't have any sort of dependency on having attacked previously. Then yeah, no, bonus action fully. I'm gonna make another unarmed strike, uh, kicking out with my foot, trying to like shove her back to kind of tumble down the stairs. Yeah, roll to hit. That hits. Okay, so I'm gonna roll a dex saving throw. How much did your attack bonus hit for? It was only a 16. So, in a sight straight out of a horror film, you kick her. And just as it look like looks like she's about to tumble, she sticks her feet out as she's laying flat on her back and stands up sideways against the wall. Levin just narrows her eyes. So, with that, Erasmus, it goes to you. I'm just going to attack the young child in front of me. <laughs> okay, going against Ruby. Yep. That hits with my short bow. Or not my short bow, my short sword. So that's going to be six piercing damage. And then as my bonus action, I'm going to attack with my dagger as well. Okay. Or 16 is also going to hit. Yep. That one's going to be five piercing damage. Okay. And that'll be my turn. Okay. So then with that, it will go to the vampires. Ruby is going to shout up the stairs. Carmine, are you okay? No. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Levin just grins. And so, Ruby is going to attack at the one who keeps attacking her. She swings, and she's going at it with her claws. Like, this is... This is easy town for you. This is a Rakdos initiate to you. Like, not even trying. And then she catches you in the side of the head as you dodge out of her first attack. (laughs) Is that another crit? No, it's a hit. Okay, I was gonna say... Her first attack missed, and so I was like, oh, you dodge out of the way. And then she hits you. So, that is going to hit for a total of seven. Seven slash. And then, the other vampire, the one with the sword, is going to... He's actually going to look at Balfour. He's going to look down at him, but he's going to look at (laughs) Balfour. And he's going to make his way around so that he's flanking with Ruby... And he's going to roll his attacks with advantage. Erasmus, you get an attack of opportunity as he moves out of your range. I will take it. That definitely hits for five piercing damage. Okay. 
two attacks at advantage with his sword. First one will absolutely hit. So Balfour, as he moves around you, you're not sure who to keep your eyes on. And he uses that opportunity as he's swinging by to just take a swipe at your legs, almost trying to knock you down. And that will hit for a total of nine damage. Okay. His second attack, as you choose to focus on the little girl, the one that ended up taking a bite out of Bart so very long ago, he uses that opportunity to find a niche in your armor and slides his sword in for a crit. Total of 11 damage on you. And with that, it's going to go back to Balfour with Suri on deck. All right. Having been stabbed, Balfour is going to angrily lash out with his great axe. So it's an 18 and a 17. Both of those will hit. Okay. That is... 25 points of damage total between the two from my great axe yep very good hit okay anything you want to do with your bonus or movement nope we're just gonna stay right here okay suri you're up uh suri will look at her father or the spirit of her father and say we need to stop them and she will cast eldritch blast again at ruby okay so go ahead Roll twice. First one was a 19. Oh, and the second one was a one. (laughs) (laughs) And this time, it's your dad who misses because you say something to him directly, and he's just like, oh, it's been so long since I've had this sort of an interaction with my little girl. (laughs) You hit, but he doesn't. I'm sorry, that that was my fault. Then I will end my turn. So, with that, Levin, then Erasmus, and then our vampires. Well... Levin, then our vampires. Friendly, then enemy. This is wild. But Levin is going to take her action. Okay, first, bonus action. Uh, once again, an unarmed strike against the little girl. Does not hit. That's okay. okay. That happens, and she's like, Ugh. and so she will rapidly apply alchemical silver to her spear. Okay. And then, yeah, still just kind of acting as wall defense to try to keep her from getting past. Okay. Erasmus. All right, you said that there's a way for me to move into flanking with Balfour on someone? Yes. I'm going to do that. And I, because I have advantage, hopefully this is going to be really cool. I'm going to attack whoever it is I'm flanking Ruby. with my short sword again, which hits. Okay. And so because... I have advantage. I am doing sneak attack on this, so it's going to be a total of 6d6. 22 points of piercing damage. Okay. And then I am going to roll again to attack with my bonus action using my dagger, which is a crit. So that's going to be another 10 piercing damage. And that's my turn. Okay. Very well done. Carmine is going to go ahead and she's going to try and climb up and over the wall to try and get around Levin. She doesn't end up leaving her zone of engagement, but does end up past. That's okay. And that's her movement. And then she's going to use the disengage action to run further up the stairs. Ruby is feeling very much the same level of hurt and is going to go ahead and disengage. And as she runs up the stairs, she runs right into Levin bumps into you and it's just like, oh no. (laughs) 
and Alexander is going to, and he's, he seems to be the most fanatical of the three. He doesn't have a direct bloodline to these fellows. He's not an official member of the Mauer bloodline. He has something to prove. So he is going to go ahead, he's going to continue his attack. And so the first attack is a miss on Balfour, which Balfour just ducks underneath of. And then this lower strike goes and stabs him right in the foot for a total of eight damage. Not the feet. So, Josh, what is Balfour up to? So is Alexander sitting in front of me? Well, behind you, but yes. Go ahead and turn to him and do two strikes with the axe. And I'm going to do that great, great weapon master. Okay. Uh, no, I don't think that hits. 14 to hit. 14 just barely misses. Dang. Compared to the other vampires that you've been fighting here on Innistrad, this one appears to have some weapons training. You throw your axe a little bit wildly, expecting to be able to hit harder than usual. And bracing his sword against his forearm, he slides your axe off to the side, not dealing any damage at all. And that was actually both attacks. They both rolled 14. Oh dear. Yep. So taking the same sort of approach, he just switches his stance and off to the other side. Suri, you're up next. Both of the vampire twins have run upstairs. Alexander yep. seems to be in combat with Balfour. Yeah, I'll just... Uh, Suri will run to the point where she can see Alexander and fire another Eldritch Blast. Okay. And say you're you're forcing my hand, Alexander. Fight well. First one I rolled an 18. Second one I rolled a 20. Oh, so a hit and a crit. So one of those was uh, 8 plus 5. That would be 12 plus 5, so 17 on the second one. Okay. As this attack hits him, you see this look of recognition in his eyes as he almost looks, it, it, it seems as though he's looking over you. And he says, Mr. Windcaller? Ooh. You can tell that he is frightened of what you've got packing <laughs> you up. Dude, Suri's father must have been like crazy, like scary dangerous. <laughs> I mean, his profession slayer. was as a monster hunter, so. Yeah, yeah, a monster. Yeah. Alexander is the very thing your dad his whole livelihood was around <laughs> hunting, so... Alright, uh, that'll end my turn. Okay. With that, Levin, Erasmus is on deck. Okay, so I have two twins now, one behind me, one in front of me. Yes. I don't want the, want the one ahead of me to get away, so I am gonna still... She's gonna get in front of uh, Carmine again. Mm -hmm. uh, that will be my movement. With my action, I am gonna take... Uh, two my multi attack. All of it is going to go to Carmine with the now silvered weapon. Okay. For seven piercing damage, and then I will flurry of blows, spending a key point to make two unarmed strikes, neither of which hit. I love it. You I love being here. This is With amazing. all of these strikes, you can see a further and further level of desperation is coming down on probably all three of these vampires at this point. It's do or die for them. 
Erasmus, you're up next. Is there any way I can get up to the girl that Levin just attacked? Not all the way up to her, but you can get to Ruby. Whichever girl is closest. Okay, so you can want to go up to the closer one. Yes. Okay, so yep, you get right up behind Ruby. And I'm going to go for an attack with my short sword. 17, that hits. So that's going to be 10 piercing damage. And then second dagger attack misses. Wow, all three of them are in a very close race to who's going to die first. This is this is super <laughs> fascinating to me. So once again, we'll just go in descending order of altitude, starting with <laughs> Carmine, then going to Ruby, then going to Alexander. Carmine. I was going to say if this helps her if this helps you decide what she does at all. Levin is just staring her down with her glowing, slitted, almost yellow eyes. I'm sure it's incredibly not pleasant to look at, especially as a short child where Levin towers over her at seven feet tall. Mm -hmm. And this would normally cause her to run out of fear. But there's a supernatural level of fear that she is feeling Mm -hmm. behind her. Right. And so, unfortunately, she is a cornered, scared person and is going to fight back. Mm-hmm. Not very effectively, mind you. Like That <laughs> level of desperation is causing her to swing so wildly and erratically that, Levin, you can just see them coming and you are... It's, it's effortless for you to dodge them. Ruby is going to turn around and is going to say, I don't know if we're making it out of this one, Carmine. I'm sorry and is going to attack at Erasmus. Feeling that same level of desperation, Erasmus with his street smarts and training, just like Levin, is able to dodge completely against both of these attacks. Alexander is, strangely enough, the one exception to the bravado. And he says, Sorry, I thought... No, your father is dead. He never left. Suri, at this point, instead of seeing an enemy combatant, you almost see that childhood friend once again. As Alexander drops his sword and goes down to one knee and says, Can I fight with you? (laughs) Uh, I'm scared. (laughs) Wait a minute. Insight check. I'm glad you met it, because I was going to. (laughs) (laughs) Suri has a lot of blind trust issues. I think I almost feel like she would start, like, not question it because of how scared he was. That's fair. Uh, So it's ultimately, it's up to you, Riley, as to whether or not Suri is willing to blindly accept this childhood friend or if it's a... He has done some sketchy stuff He's gone. He's made himself a vampire. I I don't think she'll get any closer to him. I think she, she may let her guard down a little bit and just say, you need to stop attacking us immediately. And with that, he's going to say, absolutely. And he's going to turn tail and run, leaving his sword, abandoning his post. Balfour, you're up next. You have the opportunity to give chase if you like, 
but we also have your friends that are currently up the stairs fighting other vampires. Seeing Alexander running off, I'll probably go ahead and... You said it, they were upstairs or downstairs? Upstairs. Upstairs. I will ascend the staircase um, and get up to within melee distance of the next vampire. Okay. Alright. Two strikes, great weapon master. Okay. Both hit. 39 points of damage. Oh, nice! That's that great weapon master for you. Well, you just cut her current HP total in half. Because even without, even with the resistance, that was, that was something else. With that, it's gonna go to Suri. She'll use her movement to chase after Bart and everyone else upstairs. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> I know that he looks like Bart, but he's very different. Oh. <laughs> no. oh. I love that Riley was sitting there like, why? Are, why? Why are they making sad faces? Yeah, I'm, I'm literally just like, huh? <laughs> chase after Balfour. Okay, so you chase after Balfour. You are at the point where you can see Ruby. Once she gets to that point, she'll fire off two more Eldritch Blasts and just... When she gets up there, she'll, like, get her father's attention and point at Ruby and say, There! I'm with you. Ooh, I just rolled another 20. Okay, for the other one? This feels uh, unfair. Both of these attacks hit, and with that last bit of Eldritch energy going into her, you see as her form, it's almost like a balloon popping. She turns into dust. And vanishes <sighs> completely. Oh. 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 That's one down. Levin, you're up next. Levin's getting frustrated with herself at this point. She's once again with the spear. Swipe, swipe. Both of those hit. Yes. Roll me some damage. Ooh, ooh. I maxed. I I maxed my damage. That's twenty four piercing. Ooh, with a silvered weapon. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that is an angry eleven. Oh, I I have my bonus action still. She'll flurry of blows once again because she's tired of this. One, two, both of those hit. Yes. I don't even need you to roll me damage. No. Because you got her so low. That the first one, you are just, you are sick of this. These are, these are the vampires that messed with Bart so thoroughly. And so you do one clock across her face, sending her spinning. And as you follow up with another haymaker on the other side, she turns into dust in front of you. And there's just this grim satisfaction of, finally. <laughs> I mean, I'll say there is that, but there's also, I think, kind of this hollow panging, like, within her chest, because this feels like a familiar sight to her. Mm-hmm. And so with the ending of these three, of, of these two members of the Mauer line, and a third one running, we're going to see what other secrets the castle holds for us next time on Fireside Dice. (laughs) 
Thank you all for listening to this episode of Fireside Dice. This podcast is produced by Realms of Roleplaying. Intro and outro music was created by Alexander Nakarada of Serpent Sound Studios, and all other music and sound effects was created by Monument Studios. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please give our show an honest review on your podcast platform of choice. And for more behind-the-scenes content and updates for the show, follow us on Instagram at FiresideDicePod. We'll see you all in the next episode. Fireside Dice does not condone childhood ch- childhood trauma. Or yeah, violence. what a bully. We don't condone childhood. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, back on track, though. We are so bad today. <laughs> I'm just, I, I think part That's of it is bad. I'm like nervous for this to end. It's scary. We're all just coping. Truly.